programming are solely those of the hosts and their guests and do not necessarily represent those of WCBN as a whole or the licensees of this station, the Regents of the University of Michigan. The following is an encore presentation of Closets Are For Clothes. Good evening. You're listening to Closets Are for Clothes. I'm David Christopher Meitzler. On this episode of Closets, it's guitar and voice. Darren Locke is a musician composing and performing, specializing in acoustical and electric guitar. He uh, collaborates with other musicians and uh, does mostly solo work, but sometimes he gets together and uh, works with his uh, band called Darren Locke and the Combinations. Locke is available through many social networking websites. He was featured in the Life section of the publication Between the Lines, July 23, 2009 issue, which is available at pridesource.com. He recently released his first full-length album called Dream Talking, which will be available through iTunes and cdbaby.com if not already. For this edition of Closets, we will discuss music and the musician. Locke's Songs, his new album, and the business of music. Hello, Darren. Hello. Very glad to have you here with us. I'm glad to be here. You're kind of, uh, you kind of have made a return, a return back to town. A little bit, yeah. Yeah, we're going to get in and talk a little bit about that. Um, we're going to focus on, on music, and I wanna, we're going to have some, some uh, songs from you. We have in the studio, studio besides Darren uh, his two babies, the 12-string uh, and the 6-string guitar, and we're going to have some music and uh, some songs that he's written. I want to talk about music first, and I want to see where it started with you. Oh, I don't know. I guess um, my parents always loved music. My mom, jazz, and uh, I guess rock. My dad loves the blues. Mm -hmm. Grew up listening to a lot of classic rock, uh, Queen, Clapton, stuff like that. Mm -hmm. Um, And apparently in sixth grade, I decided I wanted to be in the school band, so I don't remember asking to be in the band, but I did, Um, and started playing trumpet in sixth grade. Uh, I just kind of kept going got my first guitar when I was 14, maybe. Um, so I guess that's where it started. I did a lot in school with uh, the bands and choir. Mm-hmm. And, um, so you did singing too? Um, only a little bit. Uh, mostly I was in the bands. I was an orchestra and jazz band and marching band, symphonic band. I played the French horn and the trumpet. Mm-hmm. Um, later on in high school, I was in choir. Yeah, you started out with the uh, trumpet uh, early on, and you kind of gravitated toward the guitar. Was that so you could um, kind of participate in the music you were hearing through your your parents and everything? Yeah, probably. I don't know. I remember being a kid and trying to learn, you know, Pink Floyd guitar solos Uh and, uh, you know, rocking out some Clapton or stuff like that. So I guess, uh, yeah, I guess I, I... wanted to play the guitar based on the music I heard as a kid. Were you trying to so. often mimic uh, being the uh, classic rock musician and, and uh, doing uh, private concerts for yourself? Um, kind of, yeah, I guess when I was you know, a young teen, I did. Yeah. But uh, I stopped playing guitar for quite a while. Uh, later high school, I guess, uh, I got really into computers and mm-hmm. uh, 
web design and stuff like that. And um, I don't know. Then when I picked it up again, I got more interested in singing songs instead of, you know, trying to imitate my heroes. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Like, so. Well, tell me, what, what does music do for you personally? I don't know. I just think it's necessary. Uh, it's kind of a common language uh, throughout the world that anyone can relate to. For me, I don't know. I guess it uh, uh, it goes with my moods, you know. I don't try to fight my moods. If I'm in a good mood, I'll listen to happy music, want to dance, listen to sad music when I'm in a bad mood and kind of just... Um, you know, takes me somewhere, mm-hmm. I guess. As a, as a music performer or a, a person who can, can play an instrument, do you find that if there's any instrument around that you just naturally start to pick it up as soon as you want to hear music, or, or are you less likely to turn on a radio? Uh, if less likely to turn on a radio if there's an instrument around? Yeah. Um, yeah, probably. Uh, maybe. I, tend, I I don't know. If I see an instrument, I want to figure out how to play it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so so uh, are there any other instruments besides the guitar and the and trumpet that, that you're pursuing? Uh, I've been learning the piano lately. Um, that's about it, really. I, don't, I haven't played the trumpet in years. Mm-hmm. So... Uh, I wouldn't so it's, uh, it's sitting in a it's sitting in a case up in in your closet. I, and, don't, uh, I don't know where it's gone. Where it's gone. <laughs> I think I might have left it in high school on my last day mm-hmm. in the excitement of graduating. Uh-huh. So there's. Uh, I hope that's the case. Actually, I hope someone's using it um, in my old high right. school. Right. What what good is an instrument that's not being played? Right? Yeah. Yeah. I hope wherever it is, someone is playing it. Mm-hmm. So. Um, so was music. Uh, an early idea of yours as a as a profession, or did is it, was it something you were doing in concert with other things? You said you were involved with computers and technology yeah. and things. No, when I graduated high school, I thought I briefly thought about studying music, but I thought I should uh, study something where I can make some money or something. So, so I, you already had an idea that you wouldn't be uh, f- financially. Uh, yeah, well off yeah probably. A... My my mother's first husband was a was a jazz musician, oh. and I heard a lot of stories about mm-hmm. being broke growing up. So uh, that's probably a lot of it. Uh, so I decided to study German, which uh, I changed. I, I ended up studying graphic design and then theater. I don't know mm-hmm. why. Somehow led me back to music, actually. Mm-hmm. Um I don't know. I decided I'd rather try and do what I'd like to do and be happy. Than so, so is is it a full? That's your, is it now your full time uh, interest as a career? Making music? Yeah, I'd, I'd like it to be. Yeah, yeah. But you're working somewhere else now too. Yeah, I bartend. Mm-hmm. You know. Okay. Yeah, because it's tough to to make uh, necessarily all the ends meet Definitely. and uh, pay all the bills if you're just uh, if you're yeah. doing only music. Yeah, Not I think unless you're a really good instrumentalist that's getting a lot of studio work and stuff like that but. yeah tell me about um your music education and did you have a uh, like a life of lessons did you have uh, self-taught um time um, or what How well did... in high school like i said i was in um various bands my band teacher was a wonderful man well is a wonderful man um he's just not my teacher anymore mm-hmm. um but I, t- I did take some independent studies through him with music theory um and played in all the bands. I took private guitar lessons for a little while, uh, and then I went started taking trumpet lessons instead, and then I kind of stopped. I don't know. Mostly I've taught myself, I guess. Yeah, and did 
uh, I'm, I'm guessing I think I already know what the answer to this is, but did your past education and all the things you've done, at least with music so far, did it ever prepare you for the what is now, you know, your interest in being a, a music career? I mean, there really aren't any career music classes. Are there? I mean, there's no... no. Are, there, are there any courses where you can go and say, I want to learn how to be a professional musician. I want to learn how to how to have my craft and 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 i don't know but if there are maybe i should take one yeah <laughs> or i used to teach it because you have maybe experience I should there, try right? and teach one yeah uh no i mean i guess as far as that goes uh when i moved to new york i had a couple internships in in the music industry there which is which i did to learn so yeah tell me a little bit about the uh, the time in new york and so you were previously uh you've you've lived in um you were born in england mm -hmm. and you've lived in uh uh, the United States, in Colorado, in Michigan, mm -hmm. and uh, you were also doing some time in Saudi. Arabia. Well, you were <laughs> you were you were in Saudi Arabia, uh, not necessarily doing time. Yeah, no. And uh, so, well, it's kind of similar. What what, uh, what 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 had you traveling around the world like that? Uh, it's my parents, really. My dad's English. My mom's from Detroit. They met in Germany, and uh, they both seem to have a sort of nomadic spirit. And, mm -hmm. uh, we just kind of moved, went where the work took them. That sh that exposes you to a lot of different kinds of music. Yeah, I suppose it did. Yeah, it would, and what did you think of the kind of music you were hearing in Saudi Arabia versus England versus Colorado? Um, well, I was a kid in England, uh, so I don't know about that. And same in Colorado, really. Um, we left Colorado in 1990, so um, I was actually talking with my mom about this earlier. Uh, the place we lived in in Saudi, there was. Uh, kind of like a party hall, I guess, right behind our house, which uh, they had weddings and during Ramadan at night and during Eid, just huge, crazy, loud parties that would go all night and the drums beating. And I vaguely remember it. I don't remember. Apparently one night it got so loud we had to go sleep in the hallway in the, in the house. But I mean, I don't know if that really influenced my music at all. Uh, but I don't know. I guess I kind of have an appreciation for mostly all music, mm -hmm. even if I don't listen to it. So. Mm -hmm. When you've been uh, doing your travels, and certainly now, do you find yourself spending a lot more time on the, um, let's say, the acoustic music scene, and you're going to uh, shows or cafes or uh, venues where there's similar kinds of music that are being performed? Um, no, I don't know. I mean, I kind of like everything. I like... Uh, I love rock and roll. Acoustic stuff's great. Um, you know, dancey kind of stuff, or even mm -hmm. DJs playing disco music. I don't. I just. Uh, I don't know. We're going to listen to uh, a song of yours in, in, a, in a moment that you're playing, but I'm, I'm wondering, you know, about with your bartending job, you know, mm -hmm. and uh, how do you balance the being, uh, you know, using using bartending, and you're also trying to do music. How do you how do you keep the two separated, or even should they be? I don't know. I feel like there are a lot of musicians who are bartenders. Um, is it a, is it a distraction? You know, work the the work that you're trying to do to, to earn some extra income is that a distraction from your music? What you're trying to do with it and achieve? No, I don't think so. I think you kind of need a distraction anyway. Kind of get away from it. It's a really social job too, and uh, I don't know. I suppose it can be helpful to promote shows. Uh, I have regular customers who end up at my shows and buying mm -hmm. my CDs, so. Um, I guess there's a little bit of overlap there, too. But uh, no, I, th I don't know. I think a distraction is good. There have been times when I just, like, need to 
put down my guitar and walk away from it. So mm. and you need a little distance once, a little okay. emotional distance yeah. once in a while. Yeah, definitely. And that, is that because it's uh, so intensely in your life? Um, I don't know. I just I think it's like anything. You get burned out if you work on something mm-hmm. too much. You know. Um, you are functioning as not only your own. I mean, you're you are your your composer, right? Mm-hmm. You're doing the singing and the playing, mm-hmm. and you're doing essentially. If you're using the band, the Dan uh, Darren Locke and the combinations, you are uh, arranging the band and kind of managing the band. Uh, you're doing your own promotion. You're doing you're doing all this yourself. Yeah, that's a lot to handle. Yeah, it is. It's actually uh, it is. It's a good thing though. I think. Uh, I don't know. I uh, I interned uh, for a record label, Come True Records, in New York, um, started by a wonderful woman named Clara LaFaro. She started the label for herself. Um, she's a great friend, and I don't know, I think I learned a lot from her, um, seeing her, you know, releasing records, booking shows, trying to do tours, um, all the while working a full-time job in Manhattan. Uh, I don't know, it takes a lot of desire i guess to mm-hmm. to do this to uh to keep going with it but it takes um, a lot of ambition and effort to to keep it all going yeah so, uh, sometimes it's overwhelming i can imagine uh let's say somebody in junior high or high school or, or younger or older they, you know they look at you and they say that's the life i want i want to be traveling i want to be performing i want to be just making music i want to that's the life you know for me uh, what do you? What kind of advice do you give to people who are aspiring to be what you're living right now? I don't know. That's a hard um, question. Yeah, <laughs> no one's ever asked me uh, that before. Um, I say I don't know. With with your life, just follow your heart. You know, do what do what makes you happy. Um, I mean, it's certainly not glamorous, but and the only reason you should do anything is because uh, you love it. So if if there's something you want to do, whatever it is, be it music or art or, I don't know, accounting even, if that's what makes you happy, you should uh, follow your dreams, I think, you know. Now, your your parents were uh, the were fully supportive of, of your your dream for music? Oh, my parents are wonderfully supportive. Yeah. Mm-hmm. They, uh, they well, come to my shows. They, uh, yeah, they, uh, they're, they're wonderful people. Uh-huh. And now, you know, I, I asked you a second ago, you know, if someone's aspiring to be like you, but what about parents who see their own children and their children say, Mom, I want to do this, I want to, Dad, I want to, I want to get a guitar, I want to play music, I just want to play music, yeah. you know, and what would you tell the parents of those? Um, you know, I'm, my parents were supportive. I, I, I would hate to see parents not be supportive. I mean, there have been plenty of studies linking... Uh, studying music to test scores, improving math skills, etc. So, I mean, it certainly can't hurt to mm-hmm. learn an instrument. And uh, you think it did well for you? Uh, yeah. Yes. Yeah. You know, I, don't yeah. know. I mean, can do math in my head. I don't know if it's related, <laughs> but that's very important. Don't ask me to. Though. I won't. Well, this is not a math show. Awesome. Um, you're listening Good. to Closets Are for Clothes. I'm David Christopher Meitzler. Why don't we listen to a song? Why don't you play a song for us? Uh, what's what's your pleasure? We we have two guitars here. One is a six string and one is a twelve string. Yeah, I'll start with the six. Okay. Um, I don't know. I had in mind the old song from uh, EP I have out um, called "I'm Not Here." A song called Carolina. Let's do it. All right. Um, yeah, the song. Uh, I kind of stopped playing for a while. Um, 
When I was in New York, but I've kind of revised it with the band. It's kind of rocking out, but this is more how it sounds on the EP.
This song, Carolina. Well, who, who's that about? Um, song is about a, a friend of mine who uh, was was sent away <laughs> to Carolina. Mm-hmm. So, a lot of your songs are reflections of what's going on in your in your life. Is that true? Ah, uh, yeah, yeah. I would say so. Uh, sometimes I might try to obscure the lyrics a bit, but yeah. Well, but the meaning is is clear to you, you know, uh, yeah. you know who you're singing about, and and maybe what um, what brought the song on, and and what what created the song. Tell me uh, about your practice regime. What do you? How do you? How do you work practicing into your schedule, and how often do you do it? And and what is what is common for you? Um, lately I kind of play when I feel like it, or um, I mean, with the band we schedule practices. Mm-hmm. Um, and usually, uh, I don't know, when I write a song, I, I tend to kind of play it a lot and work out all the little bits and pieces, rhythm, melody stuff. So um, I don't know, if I have a solo show coming up, I will try to, you know, run everything and work out parts. Um, if I have a show with a band coming up, well, we'll rehearse all together, but um, I don't really... I mean, I probably should, you know, set aside time to, you know, play through scales and all that stuff. But uh, I don't know. I think it's just important to play. Mm-hmm. So, so your songs are, as we as we said, uh, kind of what's mirroring what's going on in in your life, and um, are those songs more about people, more about other people, or more about yourself? Um, people, places, myself, um, I don't know. I guess usually they're kind of about how I'm feeling about things. Tell me about your, in- your intention when you're writing a song. You know, um, what kind of message are you trying to put out? Are you trying to tell a story? Are you trying to make a person, the listener, feel a certain way or put them in a certain place? I'm not sure. I, I, I guess maybe it depends. Uh on the song sometimes they just happen uh sometimes i don't know the song that i guess we'll be listening to later uh from the record uh i wrote that song mostly in central park it was a beautiful warm day in december and i was in the park and there was just this feeling of uh everybody trying to kind of enjoy it one last time before the winter came and just peacefulness and um so i guess sometimes yeah trying to capture a mood sometimes um just trying to capture a feeling mm-hmm. ever any political songs or a certain kind of element uh yeah some i wrote a song actually i never did anything with it after the whole prop eight thing um after prop eight passed in california um i don't even i don't even remember what it's called it's actually kind of good forgot about it. Well, it's still on the shelf. You could bring it out. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's, uh, I, I kind of did a home demo, a multi-track thing, and kind of, I don't know, I guess the anger passed. As, as you are looking back at songs you've written, do you kind of see a diary, be, you know? Kind of sometimes. Sometimes I'll write something and not really even realize what it's about, and then later I'm like, oh, 
Okay. That was about you or that or him or her, whatever. Uh -huh. And have you ever written a song for somebody and then performed it for them and maybe they didn't know what it was it was about or for them? It's kind of, you know, either you were trying to intentionally do that or not. <laughs> um, I'm not sure. Uh, uh, well, yeah, kind of actually. A lot of a lot of the songs that I was writing when I was um, in uh, quite a long relationship. Uh, I think I tried to disguise the lyrics so that uh, my boyfriend wouldn't know that they were about him. Did he ever figure that out? Yeah, he has since, you know. We, just, we still talk. We're very, we've got a lot of honesty going uh -huh. now. So, uh, yeah, so I guess, yeah, I, I've tried to not let people know. So Do you think that makes people nervous? So, like, if they get in a relationship with you or they become, you know, close friends with you, that they may become material for your song? Or is, isn't that, is that just a risk that anyone takes if they have a, a friendship or intimate or otherwise with a writer or an artist of mm -hmm. some kind? Yeah, I guess it is. I mean, you know. How can you not, right? How, yeah. Because they're products of, of life yeah. and... Um, and no doubt they're going to be characters in, in your mind, and you might translate yeah, that, that into a song. Yeah, definitely. And that could apply to anything, though. Movie, film, screenwriter, sure. you know, novelist. Or and you, you being the, the composer, you can manipulate the characters any way you want and, and come yeah. out with any kind of message. I mean, yeah, I mean true. that in a good that's way. True. I don't mean yeah. that in a, in a tricky way. Yeah. But, yeah, yeah, that's true. You can make things, I don't know, make things perfect sometimes. But When have you found you've had your happiest sounding songs? Um, I don't know. I think the happiest sounding song I wrote, uh, happiest sounding song is, is on the new record. And, uh, it's certainly not a happy song. It sounds like, a <laughs> so you think the happiest song you've written is not a happy song. <laughs> oh, it's not at all a happy song, but it sounds like it. But it, Okay. But to you, maybe it means something different than what someone else will interpret. Is that possibly? Oh, there's no misinterpreting the lyrics. Okay. On that one. Is, no, well, well, the song we're, the song we're going to listen to in a, in, a, in a little bit is is the one from your album, uh, the the new album, Dream Talking by Darren Locke, and uh, it's called Everything's Perfect. That to me is a happy song, but it might not sound like it. Okay, it's well, that, well, it's a little, well, it's a little dark. We'll have to analyze that. Oh, then I was, I was next going to ask you, when have you had your saddest songs? Oh, probably after that breakup I mentioned. Yeah. You think those were your saddest? Yeah, probably. Yeah. Now re replaying a song. So let's say you're 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 performing, and you know people like to hear certain songs, and you have, and you know you play them. Mm -hmm. Does that force you into reliving? certain emotions and, and themes that the th songs are based on? Yeah, I guess it does. You ever reluctant um, to do that? Well, like that the song I just sang uh, for you, uh, I stopped playing for a while because um, it's about a friend I fell out of touch with. and People in Detroit like uh, like knew the song, so they liked to hear it. Um, and when I got to New York, I, I stopped singing it for a while because I didn't really want to deal with that, I guess, and... Uh, no one there knew the song yet, so. But I've revived it and let go a lot of of a lot of the negativity surrounding it. I guess so. Um, yeah, I don't know. And then some. I don't know. When I was leaving New York, I just dedicated some of my breakup songs to New York instead. So I guess you can change the meaning of things or redirect 
things like that. And maybe one song that was previously uh, dark or, or negative for you can become an empowerment to uh, later songs or feelings. Yeah. Maybe I don't want to put uh, yeah, ideas in your head. Well, uh, I'm David Christopher Mites. So you're listening to Closets Are for Clothes. Uh, we'll listen and be back with uh, Darren Locke in just a moment. Up next, we're going to hear the uh, report from Keith Orr at Common Language Bookstore. Thank you, David. This is Keith Orr from Common Language Bookstore. In our last broadcast, we had a great interview with Christopher Rice and Greg Heron about the plight of LGBT bookstores. If you missed the interview, you can always get it uh, get a podcast of this show from iTunes. Just search for Closets Are For Clothes. And for this um, interview, it was the July 8th, 2009 show. At the end, we'd wanted to give people suggestions about what they can do to help. Uh, however, the interviews were so fascinating that we ran out of time. So I'd like to take a few minutes this week to complete that program. First, since that show aired, Giovanni's Room in Philadelphia has announced that they too are in danger of closing. They have a $50,000 capital cost that they have to address or close. Um, so the, the list of, of bookstores in danger continues. I'm speaking from Common Language Bookstore in Ann Arbor. My suggestions, however, apply to any local LGBT bookstore, or for that matter, any independent bookstore. Some of us are actually engaging in fundraising, which may seem counterintuitive to a retail establishment. However, we believe that along with our regular business model, our stores are providing an important component to the community. And therefore, fundraising is an outgrowth of that added value of an independent LGBT bookstore. Uh, you can, of course, participate in fundraising either by attending events or helping publicize any fundraising efforts. In general, however, we are not asking folks to do anything more than they would do otherwise, just to consider doing it at an LGBT bookstore when they make their purchases. If you are buying a book, get it from that independent bookstore. If you are buying a gift or card, check out Common Language or your local bookstore. Books make great gifts. They can be read over and over again. Uh, and they also speak both to the giver and the receiver of the gift. And if not a book, most bookstores have a variety of other gifts and sidelines available. You can consider getting all of your books at Common Language or your local independent. Obviously, we serve a specific niche. But if there is a book you want, special order it from your bookstore. Contrary to popular belief, special ordering involves no added cost and are invaluable to the store. In most cases, your bookstore can get the book in as little as two days and generally no more than a week. You can also visit your bookstore. Even if you are only going in to browse, your presence helps make a vibrant environment. You'll probably have a good time browsing and may uh, be able to give or get suggestions from other patrons. And finally, become an advocate of the store. When people talk about shopping or getting a gift or purchasing a book, point them towards your favorite independent bookstore. This is Keith Orr from Common Language Bookstore. Thanks for listening to our special reports on the plight of independent LGBT bookstores. And also thank you for listening to WCBN-FM Ann Arbor. Keith Orr reporting on independent bookstores, Common Language Bookstore with Brick and Mortar based in Ann Arbor and on the web at glbtbooks.com. And that at that website, you'll find a link to their storefront, and that allows you to order books online and have them shipped to you. The phone for Common Language is 734 
663-0036. We're here tonight with Darren Locke, and he will be performing in a moment, and we're also going to hear a song from his new CD, Everything's Perfect, coming up after the break. I'm David Christopher Meitzler, and you're listening to Closets Are For Clothes. Is it getting hot in here, or is it just me? One, two, three. Join us for It's Hot in Here, Mondays from 12 to 1. We've got all the environmental news and eclectic grooves you need to start your week off green. Mondays from 12 to 1, right here on WCBN FM Ann Arbor. You're listening to the Gay Radio Collective on 88.3 WCBN-FM, Ann Arbor. Write us at closets at gayradiocollective.org. You can also find archive shows on our website or the weekly broadcast on iTunes. Support for WCBN and Closets Are For Clothes comes from the community and listeners like you. Hear WCBN anytime at the website wcbn.org. You're listening to an encore presentation of Closets Are For Clothes.
You're listening to Closets Are for Clothes. I'm David Christopher Meitzler, back in the studio with musician Darren Locke, and he's uh, featured in the Between the Lines issue of uh, July 23rd, 2009. He's so featured he's on the cover and uh in a very nice uh, photo and he's got his guitar with him and it is an article that talks about him he's also available at darrenlock.net and lock is spelled l-o-c-k-e dot net we just heard of the new album dream uh talking and the track was everything's perfect darren what uh, what other instruments were in that in that song? And who's who's doing the music? My friend Andrew Davis co-produced the whole record with me. Uh, I came back here to do it um, so that I could work with him. Was a lot of the reason. Um, I don't know. On that, I think I played acoustic guitar, electric guitar, twelve-string bass, synthesizers, vocals. He played percussion and synthesizers. I think that's it. I'm not really sure. Mm-hmm. So it's it's uh, got a very broad uh, amount of uh, instruments in it and uh, different kinds of sounds. When you're working with, with other people, uh, making music with others, how, how do you get them to embrace your idea, your your image of what you're looking for the song to be? Um, I don't know. I'm, just, I'm kind of been surprised that people want to... Uh, work with me uh <laughs> why is that i don't know um um self-confidence issues maybe um i don't know i guess it varies depending on the situation uh recording this album working with with andrew uh we had um just a wonderful collaboration um uh, he's a great guy we're good friends and some we just really work together well so um working with him on the album it just kind of took shape um we were going to bring in people to play on it and we just kind of set the studio up with things in different corners uh piano spot a wurlitzer spot and just kind of like went with what we needed uh what we thought the songs needed um, so uh that was what it is and then with the band you know um i'm open to collaboration you know so it goes in a different direction uh playing live with people uh uh, you know, just kind of like, oh, that part, do you want to play bass on that? That's cool. You know, let's rock this one out, you know, kind of, um, it's more of a collaborative thing, I guess. Did you and Andrew just sort of discover each other and your musical abilities or, uh, how did, how did you guys get together? We met through a mutual friend, mm-hmm. uh, I guess. Um, and, and back in the, well, he still lives in Woodbridge. I don't anymore. I left Woodbridge and in, in its neighborhood in Detroit, um, um, just west of Wayne State University. Um, uh, we were neighbors, and uh, he was dating a friend of mine. Um, and he lived three doors down, and they had a music house, you know, like uh, they had tr- drum set, piano, bass, trombones, synthi- synthesizers, uh, all sorts of stuff going in there. So I guess that's kind of when I started to come out of my shell musically, was uh, kind of playing with those guys, our friend Luke Schramm. Um, insisted that I come over and jam and uh, I guess so I guess that's how we met and kind of started working together he recorded my EP and uh, very briefly for I think two shows played uh, the first version of the combinations was uh, me and Andrew and uh, and Luke and uh, just playing with me on a couple songs at a couple shows so 
I guess that's how that came to be. You get to make your own calls because you're basically your own, you're, you are your own show, and you can you can decide you know who you work with. Have you have you ever had to work with other musicians and it just didn't gel and and Honestly, so I haven't worked with many uh, musicians on my own stuff. I just kind of did solo stuff, um, mostly until I got back here. Um, and I decided, uh, talking with Andrew, getting the record out, um, trying to put a live show together that was more than just me and a guitar, which is which is one thing. But um, I think the songs uh, deserve a little expansion on the ideas, so. Do you, would you consider yourself part of the Detroit music scene? Yeah, I guess so. And then, how does that differ from a music scene, let's say in Ann Arbor? What 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 makes the scene? I don't know. I've actually was trying to think about that today. I, uh, for some reason, I realized today not many people I know in uh, in this in this Detroit scene seem to play Ann Arbor very much. I don't know why there doesn't seem to be much crossover between the two. Um, I don't know what it is. A lot of it in Detroit, uh, as far as what makes a scene, I guess, it's kind of uh, it's a community, you know? Um, a lot of people living in the same area, um, friends and uh, collaborators. I don't, I don't know what it is. Where have you been playing in Detroit? Um, I played at Cass Cafe recently. Um, I've played Deli in the Alley in the past, uh, The Painted Lady, Hamtramck. Um, I've got to get on the ball booking some shows coming up soon, so uh, I hope to expand that list. I don't, I can't remember where else I played. I mm -hmm. used to play this wonderful little coffee shop that uh, was part of the Forest Arms apartments that burned down. Mm. So that's not there anymore. Um, kind of left a void in Detroit as far as... Uh, an acoustic performance spot goes that I think has been filled by the Trowbridge House of Coffee and Hamtramck. So if you played in coffee houses, tell me about the audiences that you like to perform for. Do you like do you like to have uh, like a direct focus on you as the performer, or do you kind of prefer to be more in the background, providing an atmosphere? Um, I'd hate or something to else. say I'd like a direct focus on me. There's but, nothing wrong um, with saying. <laughs> I mean, uh, it can be kind of irritating to be performing and have people chatting. You know, it's distracting. But um, I guess I don't mind too much. I'm I'm really enjoying playing with a band uh, and just kind of rocking out. It's so loud you can't tell if people aren't listening. So, tell me about your decision that you made some time ago to leave Michigan. How, how long ago was that, and, and what did you leave for? Oh, uh, I don't know when I, well, when I made the real decision. I don't know. I kind of uh, moved here with my parents in 1993, and I don't think any of us planned on staying here. Um, and we did, so um, I don't know. I was supposed to move to New York with uh, my boyfriend in 2007, and we broke up, and I just decided to go on my own with no plan. So you went to New York City on your own? Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. No, I'm on my own with no job or anything. Just guitars in hand, and you, you took up residence there? Yeah, I took my guitars and my clothes and some books. And Where did you work when you were down there? I had a few jobs. Uh, I bartended at um, uh, some new restaurants. Didn't go so well. A nightclub on the Lower East Side, um, Red Lobster. Uh, um, and this uh, record label, Country Records, turned into a bit of a paying part-time thing for a while. Mm -hmm. so. 
and kind of put it all together. Made a little money playing on the subway too. So, so um, like standing down in where the, the trains come through and mm-hmm. had your case open and just doing songs and people putting money in your case. Yeah. How, how does that? What's that like? Um, it's fun actually. It's kind of uh, it's kind of awkward setting up, but I think once once you've done that and people come and go, you just become part of. You know the city. What, what do you have to here. set up? I mean, I was, oh, you know, I, my like, vision is that you just open your guitar, yeah, you pull it out, and start yeah, playing. And yeah. tuning might be hard, right. But. I guess that's what I mean. You know, um, but once people have haven't seen you done that, you're just there when they arrive. Right. The train, and you're you're uh, you're, you're, you're part of, of the atmosphere. Yeah. You're part of the New York life. Yeah. There's a lot of great music on the subways, actually. And the sound of reverberation is probably pretty good, except for the the squeak except of the wheels in the, the train. <laughs> yeah, I used to see through. this guy in Brooklyn on the L train who would sit there and play. And when the trains would come through, he would stop and just yell, train solo. So I broke a lot of strings trying to play louder than the trains. Um, tell me about the audience response. Um, it's kind of surprising. I mean, I'm sure, you know, like a... a uh, you know, anything with beats or like world music, anything like that probably makes more money. But um, people were surprisingly attentive. A lot of people would stop and talk to me about CDs, gave me money, which was nice. Um, Could you sell CDs too in that environment? I don't think you're allowed to. Oh, yeah. Okay, then you would need some kind of license from the state of uh, New York City or yeah, something, are, a vendor's license or something. Um, yeah, I'm not sure that's quite legal, but ex- yeah. accepting donations is legal. Mm-hmm. I don't think selling CDs was much. Do you consider that a, a hard part of a musician's life, or was that part of the normal experience? Um, I, I didn't know. I don't, it was fun. I think it's, uh, you know, but I think busking is... is um, People have a different view of it in the States. In Europe, it's completely legitimate, you know. I mean, in Vienna, you get you have, you have to have a license to do it, and you end up with opera singers on the streets. And and, uh, and here, people look at you like you must be some, some crazy drug addict who's out of money or something if you're uh, playing your guitar on the subway. Actually, that happened to a friend of mine. Clara was in a park playing, and uh, she heard, like, one of her friends mothers or something saw her and and they got back to her through the grapevine they thought oh she must be like down and out and desperate if she's playing in the street but i don't know it's just another way to uh you know have an audience express yourself and maybe make a little money so um, you, you have to it, it, it got me some food at some points when i really needed it too so how much would you take in per in a night doing that i i averaged about 10 bucks an hour I guess. And how many hours would you go for in a day? What, what would be a normal, like four hours? And then you'd be tired and you want to take yeah, a break? I would just go for a couple hours. Yeah. Time. It's it's quite exhausting, actually, especially trying to compete with the trains. Well, And uh, if you're doing three or four-minute songs, just two hours is a lot of music. Well, you just start over again. Uh-huh. Oh, I guess that's true. People are I, coming and going. They don't. See, I wasn't knows. thinking. I, yeah. I was <laughs> trying yeah. to I was making yeah. more work for myself than I had to. Yeah, yeah no, you don't need a three-hour set. Yeah. I could probably put the same five songs over and over and no one would notice. Except maybe the people working at the train station. Yeah. yeah. You brought with you a six string and a twelve string guitar and besides mm-hmm. from the uh 
physical difference of one guitar is twice as many strings as the other. Could you tell me, well, I'd like to you know, hear the different sounds and then uh, comparatively, and I'd like you to just, just tell me a little bit why you choose one over another. Um, like let's hear let's hear the six string first. We'll just do some some chords on that, and just um, and then we'll just kind of. Uh, he's grabbing the guitar. We have a, a studio full of instruments here. Yeah. Um, I want to make them in the same key. Um, well, the twelve strings got you know twice as many strings. Um, right. It's the same. I mean, it plays the same basically. Mm -hmm. The strings are doubled. Uh, the top two strings are just you have two of the exact same string and the rest are octaves so um you get a really bigger sound i mean this is my out of tune six string mm -hmm. okay and now we'll hear the and i'm sorry i'm having on fort darren is juggling guitars for me stand. <laughs> um, and then the same kind of thing It's just a bigger sound. Uh, kind of get a kind of droning kind of thing going. You can't use it on. It's just inappropriate for a lot of stuff, though. Um, I guess it's a little harder to play, and it works well with uh, like open chords. You can't really uh, do bar chords, um, if that means anything uh, to a lot of people. I don't know. Um, it's really more for rhythm. Rhythm guitar, uh, mm -hmm. open chords, kind of. To me, it's kind of a country sound. But it's a bigger, brighter kind of. It's kind of got a droning quality to it, and I don't know. You can kind of take it out of tune and make it sound a little creepy. Mm -hmm. Well, why don't we listen to a song, another song of yours, and uh, you okay. you're performing it here, yeah. and uh, we'll listen to Darren Luck. Okay. Uh, this song is called um, "Till Morning's Blue."
Thank you. Uh, that is Till Morning is Blue by Darren Locke. Darren is uh, available through at darrenlock.net, and his new album is Dream Talking. Tell me about the songs that are on the album. Um, uh, they're, you know, a little melancholy, moody, sad folk, happy. Mm -hmm. What's your uh, source life experience for that album? Um, I guess a lot of... I don't know if a lot of it's a lot of it, kind of breakup albumy. Um, some of it's about, um, I guess, my move to New York and uh, feeling isolated. Um, How did writing those songs affect you? Did the do you do? You, is it therapeutic to write and oh, play yeah. and everything? Yeah. yeah, definitely. I think. Uh, yeah, it is. Um, I don't know if something's bothering me. I might write a song about it and feel a little less bothered or feel I've sorted something out, maybe. Huh. And uh, did did uh, all of your songs, uh, I know at least one of these on the album, the uh, one we heard, uh, Everything's Perfect, that is uh, with another uh, performer. Did you have other performers on this uh, CD besides uh, you and Andrew? My, Chris, my friend Chris Hazlett, uh it's credited mm -hmm. for walking away. Um, we recorded his footsteps. Mm -hmm. Other than that, uh, Andrew and I played everything, yeah. What is it about the album recording process that takes so much time? Because, you know, you hear about people coming out with albums, but it seems to take one or two years. Is that normal? Yeah, this one took a while. Uh, we recorded pretty fast, I think, because um, we did collaborate while we were kind of on a roll. And... Uh, I don't know. Everything else that has to happen after that can be time-consuming. There was quite a break we took in between recording and mixing. Uh, the mixing process, we, we uh, spent quite amount of time on that. And then it has to be mastered, and you have to get all your artwork together and packaging and actually physically make the thing if you're... Unless you're doing a digital only release. Yeah, so there's I a, mean, there are many steps There's in a the lot process, involved. Definitely. There's so many yeah. different aspects to the project. Tell yeah. me, I, I guess we really have only about time for one more question, uh, one or two. What is your next, um, what is your next music project? Um, I don't know. I have a couple things in mind. I'm going to keep on going with the band, hopefully tour a little bit. Um, I'd like to put out some vinyl uh, I'd like to release this album on vinyl, but right now I have a secret plan for something else, um, kind of derivative of this, uh, and maybe possibly some collaboration uh, with a friend of mine down in, in Atlanta on a totally different project. Mm -hmm. but, uh, I don't want to jinx anything. Okay. Well, so. besides from the, the project side of, of uh, music, where do you want your musical life to take you? Um, I don't know. I just. I mean, I, you said you're gonna start learning the piano and. Yeah, I'm playing what piano. Else? I play piano on the record a bit. Um, I don't know. I just hope to keep growing and keep working with uh, great people, and um, hopefully make enough money at it that I can spend my time doing that instead of bartending. Darren Locke, thank you so much for coming down to the show. Thank you so much for having me. And you are available at darrenlocke.net. That's L-O-C-K-E dot net. And his album will be, if not already available, will be soon available on iTunes and cdbaby.com. And he's also featured in Between the Lines, the July 23rd edition, 2009. Well, Closets is on the Internet at GayRadioCollective.org, WCBN.org, iTunes, and Facebook. Our engineer tonight was Alex Belhaj. I'm David Christopher Meitzler. You've been listening to Closets Are for Clothes, and we are the Gay Radio Collective.
about people and it's about the community. It's called Closets Are For Clothes, part of WCBN's public affairs programming lineup. Public Affairs Programming airs Monday through Friday, 6 p.m. to 7 p.m. on 88.3 WCBN-FM Ann Arbor. You've been listening to an encore presentation of Closets Are For Clothes. Welcome to A Night of Music here on WCBN-FM Ann Arbor. My name is Sarah Min. And coming up shortly, uh, we have a local band in the studio that will play live. The Rust Belt Ensemble, doing some avant ambient jazz for your listening pleasure. And But we're still setting up. So before we go to them, I'm going to play some seasonal music of a Halloween variety, starting with some soundtrack. Thank you. 